Hey everybody, welcome to Listen Money Matters. The pyramids were not built in one day and neither yours retirement. My name is Matt and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you and what are you drinking? Good, man. You, you almost didn't make it I through almost, the... I uh, almost... I stumbled a little bit, but we'll get back to it, yes. How, how do you say pyramid again? Pyramid. All right. The pyramids were not built in one day and neither is your retirement. <laughs> Dude, so I'm drinking a Coca Psycho from BrewDog. It is Imperial Russian Stout oh brewed with coffee, chocolate, and vanilla. So I was a little like, ah, it sounds interesting. I'll try it. I pour it into the glass. It looks like I'm literally pouring oil. Yeah, it's into, black. Yeah, it's just like black and like viscous. It's 10% APV. And oh my God, is it good, man? I, it is really good. I have never had a brew dog. I watched their television show on Esquire Network where they make beers from around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm super jealous of you right now because uh, I'm here drinking water. So oh, that's lame. It's uh, not so viscous and not so oil based, more more clear <laughs> and and delicious. But anyway, uh, so yes, the catchphrase today is the pyramids were not built in one day, and neither is your retirement. And that was sent in by Daniel Merrill at the Duke Daniels his Twitter handle, and you can send those in via Twitter to our Twitter handle, which is at Money Matters Man. And if you want, you can send them into our Facebook account, which is facebook.com slash listen money matters. Now, we are going to talk about a topic we have never covered. And one of the main reasons we've never covered it is because Andrew and I both don't have children, but it's a super important topic. And we have Nancy Phillips here with us today from zellawellakids.com to uh, figure out how we can teach our children the most critical financial life skills, personal finance. So, Nancy, how are you? I'm doing great, Matt. How are you? Very good. So, as I mentioned, we don't have kids, and I don't even know the first thing about, you know, teaching children anything, regardless whether it's about money or not. And I'm I'm pretty sure they're not going to listen to this podcast. I would not want their parents to have them listen to this podcast. But uh, when do you start teaching children about money skills like when's the when's the appropriate age well you know what kids are really quite brilliant and um, when you become a parent you'll find that out and they we know now from research extensive research actually that children learn their belief systems and attitudes about money the same time they're learning their belief systems about everything else in life so in the formative years and so we have found out that children basically have their money beliefs in place and their attitudes and so forth by the age of seven so we need to start way before that um, kids as young as two or three understand that when you're at the store you know you're getting things you're giving something over and you're getting something back so mm-hmm. we can start to talk about needs and wants and things like that as young as two two and three and where's the best place to do this is it the parents because uh, I, I i imagine and i could be wrong about this um that i i can tell you from personal experience that i was never taught anything financially when i was a child at least that i'm aware of and it definitely wasn't in my later years so is this something that should be taught in schools or it's taught at home or both that's that's probably the most critical question of all in this whole area 
in that now that we know the kids are learning it during their formative years, it, it absolutely shows that the parents are the most influential teacher mm-hmm. because the kids are le- learning from observation and modeling. And, you know, just watching the attitudes and feelings as the parents discuss money or don't discuss money. Uh, so the parents are, are huge in the sense of they're the ones around the child the most when they're little. But on the other hand, the schools play a really critical critical role to ensure that all children are getting exposed to the basic foundation and the skills. The the key really is that the kids need to start to become comfortable with this topic. Otherwise, they may never be comfortable asking questions or learning about it. The little kids are, they're open to learning anything and they they know money is an adult thing. So they're pretty excited about it. Mm. So um, I I absolutely agree that, that this needs to be in school. Um, and, and I, I actually, I think it's really important that, that we lead, you know, as parents or or future parents, uh, you said to start as early as two. And I guess I'm, I'm completely like dumbfounded as to how I may approach this with a two-year-old because maybe I can understand a five-year-old, you know, counting, but how could you start that young? With a two-year-old, you're not necessarily talking just about money. It's really more about decision-making because that's what it's all based on anyways, even when you look at adults. It's it's all those millions of decisions we make in our lifetime financially is what adds up to our net worth and our success or, or lack of success. So with a two-year-old, it could be something as simple as at the grocery store saying, you know, would you like strawberries or blueberries, giving them choices so they realize that they're capable of making choices. And even kids that age can understand the idea, basic idea of saving in the sense of accumulation. They understand if they've got a big pile of candies, that's probably a whole lot more fun and better than one, right? So they, they, they understand that idea of the number of units, um, not in their mind, they're not thinking that way, they're just thinking, oh, more to eat or whatever, but they're starting those very basic concepts of, you know, understanding the world around them. You're right in the sense of five or six years old is more to do with the counting and identifying money and potentially starting an allowance so they start to understand how to count the the um, coins that they're getting and making choices about maybe buying a, a treat with their own money. It's all about experiential learning. It's not just something they, you know, they're going to read and and understand and do right away. Of course, you're learning from your successes and your mistakes. So that five, six-year-old uh, kind of age group is great for them to start experiencing handling money and so forth. Right. Now, so you're saying if, if you go to the supermarket or any sort of store, starting them on the decision-making process, but... You know, and it sounds like if I'm if I'm correct, and 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 please correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you're from Canada. Is that correct? <laughs> you're right. I'm actually a dual citizen. Okay, but I'm originally from Canada. Because I was <laughs> My wondering, kids were born in the states. Yeah, so I was wondering if programs like uh, Sesame Street would be uh, would be helpful in teaching super. I mean, is there, is there anything that's like currently on television? Because I, I don't know if it's different in in Canada what they what they get. But I know Sesame Street is one of those you know, that'll help with counting. Are those things important that are are helpful at all? Absolutely. And Sesame Street is based on educational research. They have 
fabulous psychologists and different researchers that they work with to create their programs. Mm-hmm. So definitely things like that are valuable. Um, there'll, there'll probably be more shows and games that come along. There's one that Warren Buffett has done as well, the Secret Millionaires Club, which is a series of short cartoons to um, show kids, a little bit older kids than Sesame Street for sure. But there are things popping up now more and more. Uh, huh. You know, and, and watching things is good, but the best is hands-on. There's no question the best is hands-on. So what other uh, hands-on things that can parents do if they have a two-year-old or, or between two and five? Like, what are, some, what are some tactics that they can start doing, like, today? You know, telling stories is is really the way communication has been throughout the generations, you know, right back from the beginning of, you know, human beings. And so stories, because they evoke emotion, really help kids remember things. So something as simple as, you know, if, if you say to a four-year-old, oh, can you remind me to get gas when we go out? We really have to put gas in the in the, you know, in the car. Uh, And then when you're driving by the gas station, um, this is just a personal example that happened. I was driving by one gas station after having said that to my son, he was four. And he says, mom, we need gas. Why are you driving by the gas station? I said, oh, well, because it's less expensive two two blocks down. We'll get more um, put in, in the car for less money. And so just something as simple as that shows I'm, I'm making a conscious decision and he was aware, he remembered that we needed gas. So just little tiny things like that on a daily basis, little tiny stories. And he's like, oh, okay, you know, we're going to go to the next time. Oh, we need to go to the gas station that has better prices. Hmm. They really are so smart. And you know, for a five or six year old, a lot of times when, first of all, when kids have older siblings, they tend to start to catch on to this even sooner, like maybe four. So when my son was four and a half, he really wanted to start getting an allowance because he saw his sister doing, doing hers each week. And, um, so, you know, he began dividing it up into what I call the GIST method. It teaches kids the different purposes for using money, which is, uh, stand, the GIST method stands for give, invest, save and spend. And those are the four most common categories that high net worth people divide their income into. And so, you know, he began doing that. And so his spending money, um, the part he's allowed to spend the way he wants, he bought something from one of the the dollar type stores and uh, the car broke in our car driving home. Like it didn't last one hour. (laughs) Yeah. So he very quickly learned a powerful lesson about quality and how, you know, how your money can, can, how far it can go and how far it might not go. And it's those types of lessons that are very, very powerful. He said, you know, after that experience and a few other experiences going there to get decorations for parties, he said, you know, it's okay to buy decorations here, but I would never buy another toy here. And this hmm. is when he's five and a half. And, and I know it's not just my kids. I'm not bragging in any way. I get stories like this from parents all over the world. So it's, it, they really are very capable of learning this information if we actually talk to them about it. So I caught something really interesting that you said in, in there. I want maybe you, for you to clarify. You said he, the, the, the portion of his allowance that he was able, that he's allowed to spend. So mm-hmm. when you give them allowance, do you say that a certain amount must be saved? Yes, 
Yes, and, and that, that is a part of the GIST method, is really helping the kids identify um, the different ways they can use their money. And the saving is really all about goal setting and helping them achieve what they really want long term, because until they learn self-control, and some kids naturally have it more than others, but the saving really helps them develop that. Self-control has been found to be the number one trait in children that predicts future financial success. Mm. So it's more important than IQ. It's more important than uh, the, the socioeconomic background of the family. So how wealthy the family is, is more important than school marks. Self-control is what we're really trying to help our kids develop that will really uh, enable them to become financially successful as adults. So the saving is the one of the best ways to help them develop that. And so if they do that saving along with choosing things they want they have they're empowered to get what they want so for example if i have a free resource on my website that is a wish list so they get to print out and it's really good for their printing skills they get to print out the toy that they may really want that they saw on tv or in a store or something uh, this really saves the parents a lot of stress too because they aren't expected to just hand over the money and buy things all the time mm -hmm. and the kids learn how to prioritize so they write down the toys they want the, the list changes repeatedly, of course, because they're moving things to the top of the list or crossing things off. They find out the price so they know what they're saving for. And then over time, if they're getting an allowance or earning money, depending on their age or both, that savings portion is getting bigger and bigger and bigger until they have enough to buy what they want. And then that shows them that they're capable of doing that. And that's teaching them responsibility. And then they can make a bigger goal the next time. So they might start with a dollar store type toy, you know, price wise of a dollar or two, but then they can move right, right on up to, you know, whether it's an iPod or a cell phone. Uh, my oldest daughter has just gone through that cycle where she's she's 12 now, so she bought an iPod a year and a half ago and just bought her first phone last wow. month, actually, before school. Huh. So it really teaches them responsibility. And, this, and the stories that I get emailed to me and, and so forth are, are really incredible about how it helps develop that responsibility. And if they just spend it all, they're not going to necessarily ever learn the other the other categories they can use the money for. So I could definitely see that that this list helps them like build that self control to keep them from spending. And I guess I'm curious uh, how how else can you teach them? Maybe even outside of money directly to so that they can like refine this self control muscle, for lack of a better. Well, yeah, that's there's lots of different great ways, and I actually, I my teen book has just my teen guide has just gotten finished, mm -hmm. and the first thing, the first step of the 25 is identifying personal values. So once kids become aware of what really matters to them, then they're going to be able to start making better conscious decisions about. All of the different things in their life, how they spend their free time, how they organize their day. It really, if they know what their values are and they're aware of them, uh, that really helps them in all areas of their life. And so that's a really powerful place to start. Yeah. I was wondering, uh, going back to the the idea that you can give your kids allowances and then they and you kind of force them to save, how are they how are they saving that money? Is that something that, you know, they give a certain percentage to you that you keep into a savings account? Because, I mean, obviously these kids aren't carrying around little baby credit cards. So what, what are the, uh, you know, what are the tactics on, like, 
where, what to do with their money when they, when they get their allowance. Like, how do you, how do you control, are you basically act as the bank in this, in this scenario? Well, it's actually kind of three stages over the age groups. That's such a good way of, of asking it. Um, so the little ones, like four to six years old, uh, I recommend they build, actually physically build gift banks, which are what we ended up doing and what, what is being taught now in schools um, is called a gift vision bank because they get to decorate it, you know, with the different things they're saving for, the charities they want to give to. Mm-hmm. And it basically is four, four mini Kellogg's box, the kind, the little mini personal ones you take camping, the small. Yeah cereal boxes yeah. so you 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 um glue those together like a tower and the kids have white paper all around they they print on the paper beforehand give invest save and spend from the top is give going down so give is at the top spend is at the bottom and then they glue that on to the four four boxes that are glued together and then they can decorate it so lots of kids give to the SBCA or something like that and they'll draw a little animal up on the giving box and a lot of kids put hearts on the giving box and so on and then kids on the investing box they'll draw a big hotel or they'll draw gold and silver, you know, whatever they may have heard their parents talking about. Maybe like a um, portrait of Warren Buffett. Yeah, a portrait of Warren Buffett, (laughs) something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and saving, well, that's very individual because, again, that's their personal goal. So Uh it could be anything from, you know, a Wii remote or a game to a Skylander to an iPod. And then spending is just little things like, you know, they may put candy or headbands or whatever it is. So they actually physically make that bank and that that is actually being taught in schools in many schools around North America. Hmm. And then the second phase, once they get a little bit older, oh, I want to explain the reason for having them do that. And that is because we learn, a, a lot of my research has been based on the, the way the brain learns so that the things I'm teaching really will help the kids integrate and, and be able to use these skills in daily life. And the way we learn are auditory, so hearing, uh, visual, so seeing, and kinesthetic, so physical. And by by building their gift bank and actually using it with their parents each week, they're using all three methods of learning. So it's 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 an integrating into their brain at a much deeper level. Um, then after that, and because they're drawing and so forth, it's colorful. They've they've made it personal, and of course, relevancy is probably the number one thing in in young people learning personal finance. If they're learning about mortgages in grade six, it's going to go right over their head because right. it's not relevant. But if they're learning about cell phones and cell phone contracts, they're going to be far more interested. So same with the gift method is it's allowing them to make choices and set goals and so forth that matter to them. And it one of the really fabulous um, kind of benefits to the parent is it allows you to get to know your child a lot better because they're talking about deep things that actually matter to them right hmm. and uh, so after the gift bank then they go on to jars clear jars uh, prefer plastic of course in case they get dropped when they're heavy and so they would have four jars that that are labeled same way g-i-s-s and the, and the final thing, when they're old enough to have a bank account, which they can start quite young, um, is to eventually in the teen years end up with four sub-accounts so that their paychecks are automatically divided and this prevents them from spending everything they get. And they can watch their savings grow. They can watch their investment funds grow. So if they want to start a little company when they get out of school, they have the the beginnings to do that where they want to, you know, there's all kinds of things they can do if they've got some money put away. Yeah. Now when you t- So those are the stages. When you talk about allowances, though, is this something you're just giving them without doing any work or do you require them to do some work for their earnings? 
Well, that's, you know what, that's the most um, kind of, <laughs> uh, that's the topic that is most discussed and argued about, I think, in this whole topic. Huh. And um, so I've looked at sort of both sides as far as, okay, do you give it to them without doing so-called anything or do you pay them for every single thing they do? And there's really pros and cons to both. So what I really have decided on is what I call a mini allowance, which is kind of the way Rockefeller did it with his kids which is to give a small amount regularly um, they, they are absolutely expected to do their personal and family responsibilities like you know making their bed brushing their teeth helping clean off the table I mean I read things where moms were paying their kids to get dressed they were paying their kids to brush their teeth and they were keeping track of all of this and giving them 10 cents every time most parents do not have the time or the <laughs> desire right. to log every single thing a child does in a lot of cases if you're paying for chores and, and they don't get money any other way um, the chores may just not get done for weeks and then they're not getting the regular practice and that gets especially complicated in single family homes when the kids are going back and forth between two homes. So paying for chores, the, the reason it usually fails with a lot of parents is simply because of the logistics. It's too much time management involved. So with the mini allowance, you give a small amount. This is what Rockefeller did. He gave it at that time, he gave a quarter. And so each week they had to manage that quarter and some of it did have to go to saving and giving but then he said okay if you want more than that you've got to be resourceful and figure out a way to earn it so then they you know he would put a list of chores up that are bigger you know cutting the lawn whatever it was he did from for my family it's cutting the lawn and other things like that that are bigger than what would be expected just you know as got a it. family responsibility and then they get paid for those so they have the ability to earn more um, but they're getting some to manage every week consistently because it's the consistent that's key. Yeah. Now, how do you combat uh, parents who say they can't afford to do this? Well, I think really they can't afford not to. I mean, even even if they're struggling to buy food um, and they could, you know, just maybe buy a less expensive um, form of, uh, you know, meat, vegetables, whatever, just try to really watch the grocery bill, even giving their child a dollar to manage mm -hmm. is going to make a profound difference in their child's life. Because first of all, it gives them the opportunity to actually think about making the decisions and not feeling out of control. It's giving them a feeling of control and responsibility, which gives them hope and desire to learn more. And if they feel completely hopeless about money, that's going to stay with them the rest of their life. Mm. They need to, to understand that they can make decisions to change things. That's why one of the worst things you can possibly say to a child is we can't afford it. It's much more empowering to them and their brain if you say, okay, if you really want that, how can you earn an, uh, the money to get it? Or how can we afford it? Because that, that how completely opens up the world to possibilities. Saying we can't or I can't completely shuts it down, shuts down the brain from thinking of solutions. And that's interesting. I never even thought to mm -hmm. do that. Uh, so, all right. I, I, I'm curious about the... Uh, the disciplinary actions to take when your kid steals out of, say, one of the jars or one of the cereal boxes. How does that, how does that <laughs> handle? I mean, I'm sure that's happened. That's 
great. <laughs> I've never been asked that on an interview, but no? it's a great question. Absolutely. <laughs> when they're young, yeah, especially around five-ish. Uh, yeah. And if they're not a, a natural saver, that, that kind of stuff is going to happen or they're going to talk about it or try it. Um, you know what? It all just comes down to being patient and explaining. And the, the key with that is you've, you've got a written, and this is really good for their basic math skills, you've got a written chart which shows the money going in so it's being mm-hmm. tracked all the time it's simple addition and subtraction if they spend something and it's it's a free download on my website zellawellakids.com so it's it's a tracking sheet and they get to print it's good for their printing skills too they get to print the numbers and the parents can help until they're you know six seven or eight whenever they get their math uh, you know well enough to do the addition themselves but if they if they start to to try to switch things around then you know the yeah. next time <laughs> the money's not going to add up so they kind of know that uh you know it, it's going to it's going to get caught but yeah that's that's almost to be expected yeah and you can old. just i guess you could just say well little bobby you're only stealing from yourself it's just it's your money <laughs> that's that's you know that's interesting though because i you know i didn't think of the whole uh the gifts method I, I really like i think that's really cool uh, is there um, any other resources or, or tools out there that uh, parents can either find online or at a store or even on television or any- anywhere to maybe uh, help them with creating this for their own kids and helping them learn? Sure, absolutely. Well, you know what? There's there's a number of different things online, and there there are apps and games that are being developed as well. Um, the Zellawella Kids stories are really becoming popular with kids. Um, they were written for kids eight and nine years old, mm-hmm. um, but they're actually being read by children as young as four and right up to ten or eleven because the principles are so universal. Um, for older, you know, if you, if for a lot of people are really concerned about their teens and mint.com has a fabulous website. So I really highly, highly recommend mint.com. Mm-hmm. FamZoo's got a, uh, that's FAM zoo has got a, a really interesting kind of tracking uh, website for young kids. So there are a number of resources available, um, when, when it's searched on the web. And, uh, with zellawellakids.com, which I have to spell, it's Z-E-L-A-W-E-L-A kids.com. Uh, you have something here called How to Teach Your Children the Most Critical Financial Life Skills, which is a parent audio program. And what? And you said you, you decided to go with audio. Why audio? You said, I know that's one of the, the methods, but why choose that one? Audio, just because parents are so busy these days. And audio just makes it easy for the parent to, you know, get the information without having to sit down and read a thick book. That was one of my challenges when I began this research and began looking for all the sort of the best practices I wanted to boil down for my own kids. Most of the books were three or 400 pages. And, and, mm. I've, and I've read, at this point, I've read hundreds of books and articles and academic studies and so forth. But I don't want to put other parents parents through that and and the majority of parents would never they would just never read the whole book it's just too much time it's not necessarily uh, boiled down a lot of it's just expanded and long and so I've just really boiled things down make it quick short this is you know this is a way to do this this is why you're doing it and so um, if they want to have notes of their own to refer back to that's what the workbook is for they can write it down in there and then 
basically I've got the whole framework put in one graphic called it's Zaluella Kids Financial House and it shows all the building blocks right from the formative preschool years right up to the teen years every building block the child needs to learn progressively and so if they want a visual and put that on their wall they've got it in one page so yeah I'm a busy mom too so I want to make it simple <laughs> yeah so uh, what's your biggest piece of advice for parents who are looking to do teach their kids about money what's the biggest piece of advice I would say don't be worried about your own, um, what you think is your knowledge to teach it. Just just start talking about it and, and in a positive, as, as objective a way as possible, um, just start doing it. Like whether it's, you know, handing your kids some cash at the store and letting them pay the cashier, just start now immediately. We can't lose any time because, again, the kids are learning this instant from watching their parent and how their parent deals with things. So, yeah, start right away. Don't leave it. Don't wait till they're teenagers. A lot of the most common age now that parents think they should start doing this stuff is age 12. And we know from what we've discussed earlier in the show that, you know, they need to have actually been consciously started uh, starting to do this seven years earlier at the latest, like right, right when they're toddlers. So yeah, just get started. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Excellent. Well, thank you, Nancy, for coming on the show and, and enlightening, enlightening us about this topic. Cause like I said, Andrew and I don't have kids, although although I think Andrew's a little bit closer to having kids than maybe I am. Uh, so I think he's, it's a little bit more <laughs> important for you to learn here, Andrew. So uh, it's really great stuff. And, and again, it's ZellaWellaKids.com. And are you on social media anywhere else? Yes, Twitter, at ZellaWellaKids. Uh, that's sort of the main one. I, you know, I was doing Facebook, but there's just so many different things. I'm kind of, I'm finding Twitter's um, happening more, and uh, yeah, that's cool. that's it. And I actually, we have uh, put a code into our store, so your listeners can get actually a 10% discount on any of the resources um, for um, just to put in the code LMM, your, wow. your code for your show, cool. and they'll get 10% off. Yeah, so if they're that's interested awesome. and have kids or teens, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Nancy, it's awesome. You guys My need pleasure. to go. Yeah, go to zellawellakids.com. Promo code LMM, get 10% off. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And if you guys have questions about any of this, you can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And of course, subscribe to the podcast since we do it every single day. You can subscribe to it on uh, iTunes, of course, and Stitcher and whatever podcasting app that you use. And if you leave a review on either Stitcher or iTunes, please send us an email letting us know that you did, and we will send you something special, definitely our books, uh, the guides that we have coming out for sure, and there's some other things that we have. And real quick, I want to read just a short review uh, from Quentin Carlson of the United States, and it says, straight forward personal finance advice five stars matt and andrew are friendly and funny hosts of their awesome financial podcast show uh, they do their research and are right on the money when it comes to how to better your personal financial situation i have learned a ton while listening to these guys and i highly recommend them rock on andrew and matt so thank you so much quentin carlson for that review and of course you can find us at listenmoneymatters.com and nancy thank you again for being on the show my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. And of course, we look forward to the next episode. So later. Later, man.